This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in-depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. It's the Mike Francesa Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Hello again, everybody, and welcome to the Mike Francesa Podcast. As always, brought to you by the good folks at Bet Rivers. And remember, for all of your wagering needs, go to the Bet Rivers app. Uh, it has been expanded. It has been improved. So check out the Bet Rivers app. And for all your wagering needs, it's Bet Rivers in New York and New Jersey. Play Sugar House in Connecticut. We have reached the third leg of the Triple Crown. Racing continues to get no luck because as we have a competitive field for the Belmont, I'd say seven of the nine can run uh, and a couple uh, have real promise uh, we now have to deal with this uh, question of air quality as we get to the Friday field, which is good, and the Saturday field, which is sensational. Um, and really, uh, we just don't know what's going to go on. We're going to go on the premise that everything will be okay by Saturday, and we welcome in Brad Thomas. Brad, welcome. How are you? I'm good, Mike. How's it going? All right, Brad, we have a field of nine. Two of them, I think, don't belong, Tapachus and Arcangelo. Uh, seven can run. Let's start with the Preakness winner, National Treasure. Well, he's a big, growthy horse who, based on pedigree and that overall look, was a raw work in progress early in his career. Uh, he had poor setups and trips in his two three-year-old starts at Santa Anita earlier this year. Didn't really seem to make a whole lot of progress, but he galloped out really well in those races afterwards. It was still a matter of him figuring out what, what was going on. He's one-paced. He's not slow, but he doesn't have a lot of acceleration. He finally was able to find a spot that fit his style in the Preakness. There was no pace. He was putting blinkers on. He drew the one post. It was a speed-friendly surface that day as well. His early pace rival in that race was a 10-to-1 shot, who should have been 40-to-1. Uh, he got a masterful Hall of Fame ride by the Hall of Famer, John Velasquez, who saved something for the last 100 yards and then in a torrid stretch duel had all the right answers to the not-yet-Hall of Fame rider, Arado Ortiz's aggressive race-riding tactics on the runner-up Blazing Sevens. That was a thing of beauty, the stretch duel between those two fabulous jockeys. And Velasquez, the wily veteran, was able to tough it out. Now National Treasure comes back in three weeks, but he's a strong strapping horse making only his fourth star of the year. Uh, he's a horse who should be able to deal with that type of a stress. Uh, the good Baffert horses tend to stay in form for a while once they reach their best. National Treasure has a pedigree that's reasonable by modern standards for a mile and a half. It's a little light on the damn side. Uh, but it's good enough if the horse is good enough. And he gets a race without any speed again. again. He's going to be on the lead once again. I don't know who's going to pressure him. 
if he's able to stay the distance, he is a major, major win factor. Now we have the the leader of the pack who is back in Forte, who has been cloaked in controversy since right before the Derby, uh, was on the vet list for the Derby. They admitted a foot injury. Now he's back. He's been training very well. What do you think about Forte uh, in this race and his style of racing at the mile and a half? Well, the problem is he's only been a mile and eight. So we don't know what he's going to do at a mile and a half when the pace is going to be so very, very different. His style in real classic races is a bit undefined. He's been coming from further and further off the pace at age four, at age three, excuse me. He's undefeated in all four of his two-turn starts. And to his credit, he's been the strongest finisher in each of them. Uh, Whether he's been last, next to last, whatever, he's been the strongest finisher in all those contests. And he's won every two-turn start. But the difference between a mile and a 16th and a mile and an eighth and a mile and a half, those differences are absolutely astronomical. They're completely different races. And in both the Gulfstream starts, he benefited from racetracks that very much played to the styles he used those days. And in the Florida Derby, he also got a great pace set up as well. And runner-up Mage in that race made a premature move and did so with substantially less foundation and seasoning than Forte had. And Forte, persevering, was able to wear that rival down. But Mage, of course, stepped forward in the Derby off of that race and showed what he might have been able to do in the Florida Derby with a little bit more foundation and seasoning. Now, the problem for, for, with Forte is what is really going on with this horse? Uh, I'm not sure we still really know. Uh, many top-quality horses who have the foundation he has can run well in races off 70-day breaks like he's coming off of, and like training schedules. And let's face it, this horse was training very, very lightly before the Kentucky Derby. We talked about it on the podcast yep. for the Derby, that he was being trained like a horse who they were just trying to keep in the same place. And as it turned out, that perception was kind of confirmed. But he hasn't raced in 70 days. He's trained very, very lightly for much of that period. Now he's going an unforgiving classic mile and a half. He's by a sprint fire. His dam side does not give him a whole lot of support for even middle distance races, much less a mile and a half races. Now, even with perfect preparation, I think it was questionable that this horse was going to be a mile and a half animal. I think it was questionable, in fact, that he was really improved at age three or much improved over his two-year-old form. Now, under the circumstances he faces, he's not going to be a top two use for me. If he can win this race, Congrats to him. He's a he's a gamer. He has proven that he that he will really give everything. Do not see him in the top two, and even in the third and the fourth slots, I will be shading away from him, only using him defensively. Very fair. The horse that I would expect uh, you to like, and I think everyone to like, is Angel of Empire, who is the one who should. While he won't be the stalking horse, I think Tappet Trice will be. Angel of Empire is the horse that we would expect to go forward. He's gotten better and better, Mike, with maturity, with dirt distance, with every race he's run under those circumstances. Now, in a lot of his races, dynamics have helped him. Three back in the Risen Star, he had bias and pace help. Two back in the Arkansas Derby, he was 
helped much once more by a track that played to his style. And in the Kentucky Derby, he benefited from a pace meltdown. But the thing is, he still produced big time in all those races. He looks the part, the way he strides, the way he moves, the way he sustains runs, the way he has gears within those runs, just his overall look. Uh, Mage beat him on the square in the Derby. I was very surprised he wasn't second in the Derby, though. Very surprised. Well, well, two fills, he got an absolutely perfect inside trip. That's the reason why. If two fills and Angel of Empire got the same trip, Angel of Empire would have beaten two fills and been second. Uh, it was just a case. And, and, and you can never forget how the rail coming into the stretch, late second turn into the stretch, the rail at Churchill Downs is unbelievable. I mean, jockeys like Calvin Burrell and Corey Lannery have built careers yep. around understanding that and winning tons of dirt races at Churchill Downs. And Jareth Lovebury on two fills, uh, he executed that inside move at Churchill, and he got everything out of his horse, and his horse ran great. But I thought Angel of Empire, with a, a less wide trip, easily could have been second. But, but, yeah, it's fair to say if he was a really five-star horse, he probably would have gotten second. None of these horses are five-star horses, and that's what makes it a really good betting race. The but other Angel horse that not a- has... The other horse that has the ability, we're talking, of course, for Brad Thomas, to go forward here is Tappet Trice, who I think will probably be the stalking horse in this race. Well, he's going to have to show some ability to get into the race earlier than he's been able to get into shorter races. Now, he was able to overcome that inability to get involved early, that inability to really get in the stride early in the Tampa Bay Derby and the Bluegrass against horses who are second and third rate. But I thought he was really exposed in the Kentucky Derby where he just flat out ran poorly. I mean, you can't make an excuse for him. Yes, he passed some tired horses, but given how fast the pace was, he should have been able to do much more, especially at a mile and a quarter. But there are plenty of legitimate reasons why he can turn things around on Saturday. Uh, he continues to train lights out. He has an outstanding Belmont Stakes pedigree on both sides. He's an expert Belmont Stakes training hands. And physically, build-wise, stylistically-wise, he's an absolutely beyond perfect fit for Belmont Park's sweeping, forgiving turns Agreed. and endless straightaways. Agreed. Those things can get him into the game more readily than racing on tight turn courses with short straightaways. Yeah, I would not he, be shocked. He's definitely bred for this race, and he's been pointed to this race, and he has trained very well. Of the other three, Brad, let's start with Hit Show. Uh, Hit Show, not a bad derby, not an impressive derby. What's your thoughts on Hit Show? I think Hit Show is a major, major contender. He doesn't get respect. The Wood Memorial, where he ran in as his final derby prep, is despised. And he couldn't win it. Lost to a 50-to-1 shot. And then there's the general perception that he got a really good trip in the derby and then just flattened out a crunch time. But this is another horse who has moved forward with every race he's running. In the Wood, he broke from the 12th post. He was forced to make several moves to get in position. 
And then in the stretch, he was jostled around in between a couple of bigger horses. And the reality of the Derby was that he was close enough early to get stung by that blazing pace. And then he was forced by the race dynamics to get into an all-out drive midway on the second turn. Now, he's third off a layoff, essentially, because he did not run between February and the wood. He has classy stamina on both sides of his pedigree. In fact, the depth of damn side support for dirt distance that Hit Show has is deeper than anybody in this race. He's a natural grinder. He's better suited for an even tempo than sharp attacking. What he had to do in the Derby is not what he wants to do. He did it, and he did it reasonably well, but it's not his game. The long Belmont straightaways, the sweeping turns, mile-and-a-half distance, slower and steadier fractions, that could give him the edge he needs to close the gap between his exposed form and that of the favorites. This horse is going to be a big price, and he has a big shot. All right, Red Route 1, anything out of the Preakness uh, fourth-place finisher? Nothing that I can see. He did not settle well in the Preakness when the slow pace had him closer early than usual. And then he lacked the class and the finish to gain late on a vulnerable and a flattening mage. Uh, and that one easily was able to hold him off for third. And Red Root 1 certainly should have been able to get right there, noses up with noses with mage at the wire. Now, interestingly, his four-year-old full brother, Red Root 1's four-year-old full brother, Red Run, is running in race six to Brooklyn at the Belmont distance of a mile and a half. Now, Red Run has only run a mile and a half once previously. It was in May at Churchill, and he ran tremendous and moved way, way up and can be a factor in the Brooklyn. So it might be interesting to see how Red Run runs in the Brooklyn in race six to get a bead on how Red Route 1 might improve going a mile and a half in the Belmont stakes. But for what I can see, this horse just isn't good enough. I don't like him at all. Anything out of Il Melicolo? Nope, just go back to Florida in one piece. That's what I figured. All right, so your most likely winner is? Most likely winner is Angel Vampire, and he's not going to be the favorite. So I have nothing against somebody who says, that's my win bet, that's my key. But my win bet is going to be hit show because the risk-reward is going to be there. His odds to me are going to be vastly higher than his actual chances. And who else do you think is, do you, you've talked about Forte. Do you see National Treasure a major factor? I see National Treasure as a major factor because you always respect speed in the Belmont Stakes. And when it's speed, that's also trained by Bob Bafford, who is, of course, a Triple Crown expert, then uh, it must be respected. I Somehow, I don't see National Treasure staying the mile and a half I think I think it's going to be stretching him just beyond his limit. But if the track is really speed favoring, there's a shot there, and I do think he's going to run well and should be on tickets. All right, that's the Belmont from Brad. I Brad, I've known Brad since he was a kid, since I was much younger. Uh, he is a tremendous uh, thoroughbred historian. So I will pose this question on the way out. It is 50 years since the great. Secretary of Performance in the Belmont, which everyone will see on Saturday again and again, and you can watch it because it is that remarkable that a horse could do what he did for the first six furlongs and then took curtain calls for the second winning 
uh, by the length of the track. Um, a high school sophomore breaks world records that was set 50 years ago. Uh, Johnny Weissmiller in the 20s ran an incredible Olympic time that won a gold medal, and high school sophomores, uh, female high school sophomores swimmers broke it 30 years later. Uh, the times always get destroyed. Why has the Belmont performance never even been broached? The world record stands, 224, and nobody has ever come closer than, I believe, eight lengths uh, in time. Oh, it might be 10, eight or 10 lengths to that record. Why has it stood for 50 years? Well, sometimes there's just a freak among freaks. And you could make the case that Secretariat was just that one in a billion times a billion shot of an athlete who, whose performances and talent just could not be replicated no matter how many years went by. You could say the same thing about George Washington and the founding of the United States. Uh, who else ever could have managed to do what he did? Uh, because I love studying the American Revolution as well. But you could also say Secretariat was a homebred, a horse who was bred by a family who cultivated bloodlines generation after generation after generation, building an athlete that they were planning to race themselves. And you could also say in the last 50 years, the game has gravitated away from the people who aspire to build the perfect horse themselves for the love of the game, for the money and the glory too, but for the love of the game, for the pride and the joy of creating something absolutely special. Now the game has gone the other way, and all these horses, for the most part, are being bought. Sometimes they're being bought three, four, and five times before they even run. So the breeding philosophy has gone away maybe from trying to breed the spectacular horse that you are going to race yourself and compete against the other person's horse to creating the horse who is the perfect sales horse. Perfect. Uh, That's the perfect answer. And Flightline's the perfect example. They whisked them to the breeding shed as quickly as they could after a couple of brilliant performances. Just whisked them to the the breeding shed, which lends me to my second one, Brad, and this one I obviously have an interest in. Uh, I uh, own co-own uh, Casa Creed with Lee Einsleidler. Uh He's the majority owner. I am because it was his horse first, and I got in afterwards, so I don't own. We, we're usually co-owners, but he owns the greater part of this horse. Um, but Casa Creed will be, try to become the first horse in America to win three, the same grade one three straight times since Forgo in 1974 in the Jiper on Saturday. Unbelievable. Uh, he's a horse. And the thing is that Forgo never had to do was go to Asia a couple times, too, and come yeah, back. Yeah, but amazing. And, they just don't hang around, which is why the, no one does it. But it's And Forgo was a, was a gelding, and that's why, and he was a great horse. But Casa has become a, an amazing story. He really is. Uh, and, and because he's a grass sprinter, he doesn't get his due. That just is the way the racing works. But he is a wonderful horse who will try to win the Jiper, and I think he has a great chance. As a matter of fact, I think he'll win. 
uh, the Jiper on Saturday at six furlongs on the turf. He's won it the last two years and will try to become, and I didn't know this until I heard this stat this week, that he would become the first horse since four going 74 to win the same grade one three years in a row. Yeah, I think I think it was the Woodward uh, that Forgo won three times in a row. I I, I could be wrong. You're probably right. But uh, Cassock Creed, in fact, I think the best race he ran was the 21 Jiper because he had to go around the field and he had that that, that race won before the quarter pole. You knew he was going to draw away. That was the sharpest I have ever seen him, and he's going to have to be, I think, that good again this year because last year he was able to save ground for much of the trip. Yep. Uh, from this post, he's not going to be able to save ground, so he's really going to be tested. And there's a horse like Big Invasion, who is a young up-and-comer. Very strong horse, I think has a great chance. And also legitimate speed in Caravelle, who is a very fast horse. She is very fast, but she's vulnerable because she's been focused on five-and-a-half races. Now she has to run six at Belmont. That's a different game, and I think I think she is very, very beatable on the stretch out against males on this course. Uh, I think a speed that can sit off her, Air Force Red, is really dangerous. Yep. He is a really good turf sprinter. I just think you hit the three contenders. Uh, yep. that, that horse, obviously, Caravelle, who is the speed of the speeds for sure, and what has to prove she can get six furlongs, and then the vastly improving big invasion uh, who is on his way to being a big horse uh, and is coming quickly uh, as Casa Creed is seven years old and trying to do something very special. Indeed. uh, Big invasion had a no chance trip at Churchill going five and a half last time. Uh, That race is a complete throw out. Now he's third off a layoff. It should be his best shot. And uh, his seven furlong race at Belmont last year was spectacular. Six furlongs with pace should really hit him right between the eyes. And you have the best finisher in the game, Rosario, on board. Thanks very much, Brad. Enjoy the day. We'll talk to you soon. Take care, guys. All right, Brad Thomas, you got it on. He's giving you the long shot as a strong play. Angel of Empire, uh, I will put a pick up on. I will put picks up. Uh, I'm obviously... Uh, going with Casa Creed, but you know you have to know that's my heart too and my interests. So, but I do think he will run very well. But uh, Brad hit on the horse. Big Invasion is going to be a very strong horse in that race. He's improving quickly. There's no question, um, and is a major threat. Uh, number two, uh, it's a very good day of racing, very very good. And I will put the uh, Belmont. What I think, who I think the Belmont winner will be up uh, on the Bet Rivers uh, site tomorrow. So we will do that tomorrow. And hopefully, fingers crossed, they don't have to do anything to these Friday and Saturday cards because they are very, very good. The Friday card is excellent, the Saturday card is sensational. The stakes underneath are just from the first stake to the last stake. Underneath the Belmont, are, the Belmont's not a great race. I'm not going to lie to you. It's not a great race. It's a, it's a good race. It's okay. It's better than the Preakness. It's a lot better than the Preakness because you got, I think, at least four legitimate horses in the race. Maybe five, but four legitimate. Um, but the undercard is sensational. You know, you have some great races. 
And Jipe is a wonderful race. The Met Miles, a terrific race. There's a couple of very other, very strong other stake races. So uh, enjoy the day. And hopefully this craziness. I was playing golf yesterday with my wife. We went out at 930. By the time we hit the 10th tee, there was something very strange going on in the sky, in the atmosphere. We just could not figure out if it was going to be a thunderstorm or what it was, by the time we finished, you could feel it in your throat. You could feel that something was very weird. It was almost orange out. What a weird day. It's one of the weirdest days I've ever seen in my life yesterday. I just hope that they're telling us the truth about what's going on in the atmosphere because you always wonder these days about getting real information because this could be something that we just don't understand how harmful it could be. If you have any brains, stay inside today because it's going to be very bad again. Don't even toy with it because we don't even know what we're dealing with here. Exactly. So whether you think you're healthy or not, uh, I think the Yankees were prudent yesterday. I expect them to be prudent again today because it sounds like today's going to be at, at, at least as bad or maybe worse. So hopefully the racing, though, tomorrow and Saturday is conducted. We'll have the pickup by tomorrow. Enjoy it. We'll see you along. Thanks for listening to the Mike Francesa podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Hey, it's Mike Miss here. What a time to be a Philly sports fan. And you can share the excitement with me each week on the Mike Missinelli podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Listen and subscribe to the Mike Missinelli podcast today, wherever you get your podcasts.